You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 500, brought to you by Geek Nation Tours and iFanboy listeners just like you. Start spreading the news I'm leaving today I want to be a part of it New York, New York Hello, welcome to the FMBoy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 500 My name is Connor Kilpatrick, I'm here with Ron Richards Hello And Josh Flanagan In absentia Oh, whoops Yeah <laughs> He's not here. He, could you? Be, it's just like Josh to blow off the 500th episode. <laughs> oh, I just snorted. Uh, so, my fault. It's my sister's wedding this weekend. That's why I'm in New York, and Josh is traveling to come to this wedding. So that yep. he it was either missed the show or missed the wedding, and we chose show. <laughs> so, sorry, but that's why we're doing the big show next week. So, if you're tuning in because it's the big 500th episode, thanks for listening. But also, if you're tuning in because you're expecting a big anniversary show. That'll be next week, the 501 episode, when we're all back at our respective homes. And, and, it, uh, and it's going to be wonderful. I've had some sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are a fanboy. We like comics. If we read a bunch of comics, one of us, oof, Ron, one of us picks their favorite book. <laughs> we call that the pick of the week. We'll talk about that book, other books, talk about some other fun stuff, some read some listener mail. It'll be a fun show. But here's your spoiler warning. There'll be, a, there'll be some. It's a review show. So it's all on you. We've taken no responsibility for your spoiling and now Ron had the uh, lofty position of having the 500th pick on this terrible week of comics. Right, but I don't want that to, to, to demean from what, no. was, what ultimately was the pick. But yeah, it was, it was a very light week of comics. Did I don't they know, know if this it, was our 500th week and they should have made, put out their A-list? I, I think, I think they, they plotted against us. I think this is an example of the, uh, <laughs> of the, of the comic book industry uh, conspiracy. And yes, anyway, we're through the looking glass. No, but, uh, but actually, yeah, I, I, had a, I didn't read many comic books this week. I had a very light week. But I was glad that I had picked this week because I've had my eye on this series uh, for a couple of issues now. And it was really a delight to pick We Can Never Go Home, number four, uh, written by uh, Matt Rosenberg and Patrick Kinlan, uh, with art by Josh Hood, released by Black Mask Studios uh, Comics, uh, indie comic. And it's funny because after last week's... Um, Last week's discussion was it last week or yeah, a couple weeks ago? Yeah, we're talking about you know we only read Marvel and DC and, and Image and and there's other stuff out there and you know that got me thinking about uh, about you know the other comics that are out there and the other com other publishers that I am reading and the other books that I am keeping track of and we can never go home is one that I've been reading from issue one and it has been uh, just really really a delight to read up to this point. It falls in that I mean if I had to compare it, it falls in that. Heroes TV show esque world of okay, let's take regular people and give them superpowers, but treat it as not in a superheroic world, rather just a realistic world. Hmm. And in this particular case, it's uh, a guy and a girl who meet each other, they get into trouble, they go on the run, people are after them, go. That's the story. Right. And it has been infused with a just a ton of energy and kind of a youthful 
you know, you know how like we, we talk a lot about old men writing kids. Yes. And and it's obvious in that regard. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, this this feels like kids writing kids. This is this is as a, as authentic as a, as a, as any um, kind of youth based comic that I've read gets. And it's just been a ton of ton of ton of fun. And in, in this issue four, uh, things kind of heat up as uh, the couple is on the run, and the the girl calls home because she's feeling you know she's feeling you know kind of lost, and you wanna you wanna reconnect with the you know you wanna reach out to your parents and say hey I need help, but her parents have been compromised, and her dad gives her a last minute warning, tells her to run. Um, and then meanwhile, the guy that she's with gets uh, seduced by a shapeshifter who's, uh, who's um, uh, changed his appearance to look like the girl. So it's all, who can you trust? It's all, it's all pr- playing on all of these tropes, but done in a way that is... Um, that is really, you know, really quality. Really, um, you know, uh, makes for a really, really good comic book. What kind of powers are there? And you said they're more realistic, or the, the world's more realistic. What are the superpowers that these characters have? Um, well, yeah, they're yeah, they're more realistic, but they're um, they're the general kind of superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> they're um, I'm trying to actually in this issue they actually. They actually do. They talk about their powers, and I want to actually use those exact words. But yeah, so we see, you know, in this we get introduced to a to a shapeshifter, which is you know kind of pretty standard in that regard. You know, the girl can the girl has strength. She was able to throw a car early in the series, and, and sparks comes out of her eyes. And I'm trying to think what the where the guys' things are. But anyway, yeah, so they've got they've got those kind of you know kind of not not really you know um inventive powers you know like right. she you know the like super strength shape shifting that sort of thing they run into a they run into a uh a group of um a group of people who are after him and one of the guys does the standard stand in front of the car and the car plows into him and the guy's fine like that that sort of thing so um you know kind of really enhanced senses and really enhanced you know kind of abilities and we don't know why we don't know how or what the um or what the uh you know that th- part of this is is the mystery of why is this happening to them? Why is the FBI after them? Why is this criminal group after them? Um, and what are they going to do? It's that feeling of, you know, like, oh, we've got nowhere to go. And hence the title, We Can Never Go Home. So last um, week when we asked for suggestions, this was the book that was suggested twice in the comments section. And one person yeah. said, I like to think of it as an American indie rock response to phonogram. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, I could see it. I could see that. I, I, I mean, the 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 writers are definitely there's definitely a music piece to it. Uh, there's a mixtape mm-hmm. that the that the girl like. In in fact, they trashed our car and 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 the girl goes, "Oh, wait a minute!" She remembers to take the tape out. You know, I, I don't think it says heavily on the music side of things as Phonogram is, where Phonogram goes super deep into it. Right. But it definitely has a um, there is a music connection and you know, kind of a, a youth culture, a youth you know, kind of youth. Um, uh, I don't want to say pop culture, but you know, kind of that that world where music is a part of it. I can see that, you know, more on the indie rock side. Yeah. What's the art style like? Art style is clean. Josh Hood is the artist, and it's. Um, I was trying to. I, it reminds me of somebody, but I can't actually put my finger on who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but very clean lines. Some of the backgrounds and some of the layouts and things that that Josh Hood puts together, like there's the double page spread where the car plows into the guy, and it's just so detailed behind it um, with the factory and there's a you know, fence. We all know chain link fences. Is a, a pain point for artists. Yeah. Almost reminds me of some of the um, some of the cleaner Marvel style artists, not Kamikaze, but um, I, I can't, I'm a little tired this week, so bear with me. My my, my, my references are falling a little. Ron but, and uh, I both just woke up. Yeah, yeah. So you got to bear with us here. But uh, <laughs> and, and this is Black Black Mask Studios. Yeah, Black Mask Studios. Yeah, is the publisher. And and this and this book caused a bit of a has caused a bit of a. Um, 
a collector scramble as uh, they've done a couple of variant covers and stuff for cons that are now, you know, I think the San Diego variant is fetching, was going for like $500, $700, which is just crazy. But um, they just actually came available on Comixology this week. So if you haven't checked it out, I would uh, strongly recommend you check it out because it is an example of up and coming, you know, kind of creators, a new title, you know, different than what Marvel and DC and Image are doing. And it's definitely, you know, definitely worth uh, checking out for sure. So that was your pick of the week. Yeah. And and it's and it's well deserved. You know, I think that they, you know, it's clear that they're working on it. Um, you know, they're working <laughs> on it. No, no, but it's clear they're working to make this the best comic they can. Like, you know, when you read something, you can just you can feel the effort being put into it. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, it sounds weird to say that everyone should be working to make the best comic they can, but we yeah. talked about this a long time ago with the uh, Morrison Quietly Batman and Robin book. How it felt like yeah. this much this much effort should be put into every comic. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like you could feel you could feel their putting everything onto every page Mm -hmm. and it's you know and it and it and it comes across in that it reads really well like there's very little bullshit in this there's very little like that's the one thing that that's the one thing that really impressed me reading if you go back and read all the four issues it is edited it is pared down to just the you know to the the optimal storytelling path for this story right you know and there's not a lot of there's not a there's not meandering there's not quite often we see that you know, especially with young writers and stuff like that, staying focused is a challenge. Like they, they get, they have an idea, they go it, and then you get another idea, and they go in that direction, and and you, you find yourself not knowing what's going on. Is there a B plot or just an A plot? There's just the A plot. I mean, I mean, the, the, if there's anything with the B plot, it would be what the larger kind of you know world is and that sort of thing. But the A plot of the of this couple, you know, on the run trying to deal with their powers. Um, is the main, you know, kind of push for it, and you know, and 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 it's it's you know it's it's got hints of stray bullets, it's got hints of love and rockets, it's got hints of you know things like that, but all but all, at the same time, all it's completely its own thing, right? Yeah. You know? So yeah, I mean, I, I I think you know it's been great, it's been great to see it come out. I mean, the release schedule has been you know, at, 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 like I said last week when we were talking about it. Indie books like this reschedule can be a challenge, and so you got to keep an eye out for it, you know. But with four issues in the can over, I, I want to say maybe six months or so, that or seven months or so, that's not that bad. Right. And it's definitely, you know, and it looks like that, you know, with the momentum they've gotten from the collectors and the support they've gotten from retailers and stuff like that, you know, I I, I hope to see much more of this series as it continues on. Cool. Yeah. Now, what is Hank Johnson, Agent of Hydra, number one? Did you did you not read this? No. Oh my God! All right, so. This was um, a one-shot that is being done through the guise of this, the whole Secret Wars thing, right? right. Battleworld. Battleworld, right. But you know how every now and then Marvel will throw a flyer and, and let somebody uh, do a book that just doesn't matter? You know, it's kind of off the radar. David Mandel is the, uh, is the writer of this, covered by Amanda Connor and art by Michael Walsh. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Mandel is a uh, he's a Hollywood guy. He's a TV guy. I think he's a either a showrunner or one of the writers for I've Veep. I've heard his name before. For yeah. Veep, yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so what this is is that this is basically a day in the life of an agent of Hydra, and we get introduced to this uh, Hank Johnson guy. He's just a average schlub that worked for Hydra with the with the green you know the green mask and the and the red eyes, and um, we get introduced to his life. He's got a wife. He's got three kids. Um, his wife is not is is always uh, nagging him to try to get promoted or to get a better job and and you know why don't you go work for AIM and he's like no I don't want to be an AIM hole and you know right. and it just it's it's the juxtaposition of the super villainy world with the mundane average suburban lifestyle right 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 right, right. 
and um, I mean, totally up the comedy side. You know, it's it's you know, like the his kids go to Wolf Wolfgang von Strucker Elementary School. You know, like, <laughs> the kid, the little league teams, uh, there are Hydra versus uh, versus Shield, and uh, Clay Quartermain is the coach of the little league team for Shield, and like it's like they're all. It, it almost reminds me of the um, the old Looney Tunes, uh, right? With the, yeah, with the sheepdog and the and the coyote. Yes. You know where they 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 knew that these are our roles. This is what we do. We we fight each other, but they we we're still, fine. yeah we're friendly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, it was just really funny. This Dave Mandel guy is a funny writer, and he um, you know and so at one point he uh, Hank Johnson gets promoted, and he's working for Madame Hydra, and she's just all over him. She thinks he's got a cute butt and all stuff like that. And so <laughs> it just like it just get, it borders on the line of weird, right? And it also dances in the raindrops of the Marvel universe. You know, at one point. You know they're having this. You know, Madam Hydra's having this big party, and they're they're all doing the Hail Hydra thing. And um, Hank and his his wife is mad because Madam Hydra was flirting with Hank, so they leave early. And and just as after they leave, the Avengers come, so you just miss that. You know, <laughs> it just this feels more like a book taking place in the regular Marvel universe, though. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. This has nothing to do with nothing to do with Battle World or Secret Wars or anything like that. In fact, if anything, this reminds me more of something like Garth Ennis would do. Right. You know, those comedic kind of, um, you know, kind of uh, in-between stories, like, you know, very Hitman-esque type thing. But, yeah, it was, it was, it was great. It was, I mean, it was nearly pick of the week <laughs> in that, in that the, the amusement factor was worth it alone, you know. All right, well, you've sold me. I've downloaded it while you've been talking. Yeah, yeah, definitely check it, check it out. I think you'll dig it. A couple episodes ago, I was complaining that it felt like with Superman that every time I was reading an issue, he had either just used his solar flare powers or he he had used his solar flare powers, but they were constantly using it as a device to get right. rid of his powers. So I'm reading along, and this is the uh, Gene Lun Yang and uh, John Romita Jr. Uh, story that takes place before the current arc in action where we see how he gets outed to the public, and, and that's what happens in this issue. But uh, So in the middle of it, he uses his solar flare powers again, and I just sort of yelled in frustration at the, to the heavens because it's it just keeps happening and I know this is the same story and and as Josh said before you know you think you, you feel that way because they've been telling the story for a long time but it's like it just keeps happening right every issue they find a way to have him not have powers and it just feels it feels at this point like a sick joke and also right. this issue is all about Clark and Lois because she's the one who ultimately outs Superman she does it because he's being blackmailed uh, by this. Uh, evil group called Hoarder, which is spelled like a stupid Web 2.0 group. Um, <laughs> they hoard information on people. And uh, they, they have his identity. They're threatening to put it out there, so they're making him do stuff. So she says, I'll save him by outing him to the world, which she does. And that uh, doesn't go well. But there's a whole scene in the middle where they, they have a heart-to-heart about their relationship with each and how they, she could have maybe fallen in love with him and they, they've been friends forever. And I'm like, I don't see any of this ever having happened in the comics. Right. None of this is ever represented in stories that have happened. It's almost like they're trying to Jedi, Jedi mind trick you. Well, you know, I, they're like waving their hand going, yes, this is what happened. And, exactly. And it's, it's a yeah. showing, not telling situation where yeah. we came out of the New 52 with a fresh start. And they had a great chance to tell great stories, but they didn't want to tell them. They just wanted to have them happen already. So they just showed us that right. all these things happened. And right. it, it doesn't earn any emotional resonance when you tell the story. Right. I'm sorry. I have a reverse. They don't, when you don't show the story, you just tell me the right. story. You say, you have Lois say, well, I'm almost in love with you. That, I've never seen that reflected in any comic since the New 52 happened. That's been three years or four right. years, however long it's been. And you, you, what you're doing is just relying on me knowing them from before. You can't reboot the line and then re- rely on the old line as much as they are doing. Right. 
and it's just it's just one of the many things that are wrong with DC at the moment. And I, I guess. And we're gonna talk about that a little later on, but um, it almost seems like this whole slow because uh, I remember when when they the you know this new power was emerged, you know, they was yeah. in in their marketing and Superman has a new power and stuff like that. It almost seems like it's becoming a crutch. Oh, it's one hundred percent a crutch because they yeah. they, they want to show him depowered. Yeah. So literally every issue, or right before the issue, he has used it. So he's, oop, I'm on my uh, depowered time right now. Hope nothing bad happens to me. Yeah. And it's just like, you know how we heard that pitch for the Hulk TV series a few years ago that was going to happen where Hulk would only happen off screen and we'd just yeah. see the aftermath of Hulk? Yeah. That's kind of like what it says here. It's just kind of yeah. like, oh, I have no powers for the next 22 pages. Right. And it's just getting frustrating. Yeah. And it's nothing sorry. against the creative team. I think the art's wonderful. And Gene Luniang's getting better with the character of Superman, but. It's just the conceit, and whoever, you know, whoever's dictating that conceit, because it's happening across all the Superman books, not just this one. Um, they, they just seem like, like as somebody who's an outsider to it, who has tried to sample them and the try. Like I read this issue and I and tried to, you know, get a feel for it, and it, it just seems all over the place. I don't know when in time this is taking yeah. place. I don't know what is now. Even in, in this in this issue, he isn't in the costume, then he randomly is in the costume, right. and it, it just see it just seemed all over the, all over the map. We're um, in now, now, Ron. Now, now, not, not, not then. This is now. Not then, now. Yeah, later now. <laughs> that was one of the best Mel Brooks scenes ever. Yes, agreed. <laughs> All right, so uh, that book didn't make me happy, but Shield number nine uh, actually made me really happy. And I've been reading this book. It's been the I don't want to say the TV show tie-in, but it's the book that puts the TV show characters into the Marvel universe, and every issue has been a different crossover, or not crossover. Every issue has had a different character show up that would never show up in the TV show. Right, right. So you know, you had um, Invisible Woman or Scarlet Witch or, yes, you know, Miss Marvel, etc. Yeah. So th- I, I opened up number nine. I saw it said 50th anniversary extravaganza. And I think, well, that's that math seems off. <laughs> but uh, what, what, is, what is what is the what is the, what is the they don't uh, they don't identify what the anniversary is for. Is I, it just I, for I, the idea of Shield or I Nick Fury? Or? I believe it is Shield itself. Okay. So yeah. when you open the issue up, you get a shot of. Uh, classic old school Steranko Fury, and I went ooh, and so the the, the story of this issue is that Agent Coulson finds a file which containing original Nick Fury's only unsolved case, and so he and new Nick Fury go through, and a bunch of his people from the show go through trying to solve this case, while you get flashbacks to the original comic. Which is great because you get tons of great Kirby art, and which is which is which is by by the way, I don't know if anyone's noticed, but ever since the Kirby settlement has oh, happened, oh, I noticed this morning. Yeah, yeah, we 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 are now finally the the handcuffs have been taken off of Marvel, and we're allowed to see Jack Kirby stuff more than as opposed to not at all. We were actually recording this on Jack Kirby's birthday, and if you're uh, you know you see them, you see you're seeing him all over Marvel social media, which I thought was funny. Yep. But so that was so that's actually you know a nice coincidence that we're recording this today and. You know, the story was fine, the, the wraparound story is fine, but I liked seeing the flashbacks. The first two pages are written by Steranko, I believe, and those they're, they're just wonderful bits of old-school prose, which are, we're going to talk about old-school comics in a bit later, too. Yeah. But And then at the end, they reprint the entire issue in which S.H.I.E.L.D. first makes its appearance, and uh, it's really fun to read. It's a, it's a Stanley Jack Kirby issue. Right. So if you've never read that before, it's actually really interesting and fun. I'd never read it before, either. And that's sort of when Fury's elevated from the Sergeant of the Howling Commandos to... You know where he where he becomes you know the big force in the Marvel universe that happens in that issue, right? There's also a backup story which we, which which Dum Dum Duggan his new LMD version comes you know is, is brought back to life if you recall, 
uh, it was revealed that Dum Dum Duggan has always been an LMD, at least since he died originally, and and then he was that LMD was killed. But they they resurrect a new one in this backup story, which annoys me because I, I hate I hate I hate that retcon. <laughs> you don't you don't like the use of the uh, LMD as the, I, I like as the, the use of the LMD as the constant. You never know if they're if that's them or not. But I hate the idea that Furies and and Duggan have have actually aged normally, and you know Duggan died, and Fury's been an old man on the moon. I hate right. that so much. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing this issue actually does is show how just awesome the character of original Nick Fury is and how hollow the character of the new Nick Fury is. Oh, yeah, totally. Kind of like the Superman we were just talking about. There's nothing that shows me that this new Nick Fury is a badass. They keep saying he's a badass. Right. But nothing he does actually shows him to be a badass. Right. It's, it's again, it's this Jedi mind trick. It's this hand-waving going, hey, like no, century. no, this is, you know... You know, because we've got you know Sam Jackson in the movies, we need a Nick Fury that that reflects that, and so you're just gonna accept it, and and they think that we just will, and and as far back you know from the moment of this Nick, new Nick Fury, I, I haven't accepted it. I think it's a joke. You know, and, that's why not. at least tell that story. Make me believe. Right. I will yeah. believe it. If if yeah. you tell this great story where he does an amazing thing and he's, he's shown to be a great character, I still don't know anything about him as a character, right. other than he's just Sam Jackson. I don't know anything about this guy. Right. And show me, tell me, tell me the definitive new Nick Fury story, and I will believe it if it if it's a good story. But so far, they have not done that, and they just expect me to say, "Well, I'll just it's just Sam Jackson, so I'll go with it." And it's just it's yeah. lame. It's lame, especially when you juxtapose it to these great classic Nick Fury stories in the issue itself. Yeah, but. and and even more like so, I haven't read the Shield series at all because I think the whole I, whatever. The, well, one, uh, one of the issues was drawn by Alan Davis. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. which one? I'll have to find out for you. All right, yeah. Um, but I just find it hysterical. Like, so Daisy Johnson and Maria Hill are just like twins. Yeah, yeah, they look exactly alike. Like, is the only difference between them that Mar- Maria Hill has a has a circular zipper pull on her neck, and that's it. That's as far as I can tell. It's I like, guess. <laughs> one has one has brown hair, one has blue highlights. So yeah, uh, that's about uh, it. <laughs> hey, hey! When I opened up this book and saw those first two pages, um, you know, it was that—that that was wow, you know. And I—I I, I got excited because I was hoping that the whole issue was like that. <laughs> I mean, just just the the writing of this Duranko pages. Yeah, I thought this was a milk run. Yep. If you're going to be wanting a full nest of hydrocoons, it's just like it's this great old school badass way of writing. Yeah. Even though I'm the top kick of the world's most powerful spy network, that's a great phrase. Yeah. And then, and then there's a uh, backup material of the original pencils, of the Kirby pencils that were shown. Yeah, that, it's, a, that it's was, a really great issue yeah. if you like that, you know, the old school stuff. Right. Um, you can check it out. You don't need to have read the, the, the past issues. Each one of these is a one shot anyway, so you don't need to know anything. Um, Man, I, I'm really glad that they resolve the whole Kirby issue, and I hope that we get more Kirby kind of uh, inter- integration into the Marvel Universe again. Right. <laughs> because, because if you go back and look at that stuff, that is just like the, the – and it goes back to what I talked about when I talked about We Can Never Go Home. It's that, that energy and that excitement around, you know, that, that some creators are able to put into, inject into the stories. Yeah. And, you know, and it kind of – you know, it's kind of when you see something like that, when you see the energy coming out of Steranko and coming out of Kirby, and you compare it to the comics of now, it's just like, wow. It's just like with all the tools and all, every, all, the, all the stuff we have now, it can't, tons of our creators cannot match the, the, what those guys were able to do in the 60s. Well, you know, I, I liken it kind of to baseball in that yeah. there's a lot of people playing the game that shouldn't be playing right. just because there's way more opportunities. You know, in the 60s, there was eight teams in the league and now there's 32 so right yeah you know, there's a lot more people, you know you don't have the best of the best playing you've got a lot of guys who are talent you know talented but maybe wouldn't make it 
right in a league where you was harder and this is the same i think the same thing is true here yeah which is which is you know which is fine i mean that's 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 growth and that's progression and that's you know the you know that that sort of thing but it's um uh yeah but it's 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 just wow it's just night and day night and day yeah yeah Cool. All right. Uh, well, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor. We want to thank Geek Nation Tours for sponsoring this episode of iFanboy. If you're looking for the perfect geek-themed vacation, look no further than Geek Nation Tours. Geek Nation Tours is proud to announce they're returning to New York City this fall. And, hey, there's still time to book your trip. All right? It's not too late. You can attend the New York Comic Con and explore the city that's home to the Avengers, Daredevil, Spider-Man, and many more iconic comic book-themed locations over this seven-day tour. They're even going to go to Jay and Silent Bob's Secret, Com- Secret Stash, the comic book store in New Jersey, uh, run owned by Kevin Smith, and the fictional address of the Fantastic Four. Uh, Geek Nation tour, ha- tour handles all travel, hotel, and tickets to the con. All you need to do is show up and have a good time. But act fast because the New York Comic Con trip is booking up fast, and you definitely do not want to miss out on this once-in-a-lifetime geek adventure. But comics isn't all that they've got. Geek Nation Tours offers a ton of other great tour packages like the Journey to Middle Earth Tour, where you can go to New Zealand to the world of Lord of the Rings. Uh, the Zombie Apocalypse Training 101 Tour, perfect for Halloween or the Walking Dead fan as you go to Atlanta to see the filming sites of the show and get hands-on survivalist training and more. Uh, the Galaxy Far Away Tour, uh, when if you missed Star Wars Celebration this past year, uh, now's the time to start planning uh, your trip for next year's celebration with Geek Nation Tours. That'll be a big one. Actually. That's going to be a huge one. Yeah, it's, is it London next year, I think? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Don't miss out. Book your Geek Nation Tour trip today at geeknationtours.com. So, Ron, when you were gone, Josh and I used to play this game. Which tour would you would you pick of the... Uh not Comic Con tour, obviously, cause, but the other tours. If honestly, I don't see how you can. I don't see how you how you turn down that journey to Middle Earth tour. Right. That New, New Zealand is just a, a, every everything I've seen of any trip to New Zealand, whether you're a Tolkien fan or not, or Lord of the Rings fan or not. That landscape is just amazing, and I want to get there someday. So there you go, Ron. I'll take yep. the, the Middle Earth tour. I would sign me up. All right. So <laughs> this week, and I don't know, Ron, if you've ever been involved, or listeners out there all across the world, if you've ever been involved in helping run point on a wedding. But it's a stressful situation. Oh, yeah. And so I thought, Wednesday will be great because I'll, I'll have a nice little respite. I'll read my comics. I'll get to relax. <laughs> and then Alfred showed up with a fucking hook on his hand, and we are Robin, <laughs> number three. And that, just, and, that, and that just added to your stress level. And I just, just start eye-twitching. <laughs> this was not a happy week of reading comics for me, for the most part. Yeah. So I was just trying to figure out why I like... We are Robin well enough, but don't really love it. And I think it's because uh, I don't really know any of these characters. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, they're face they're not faces, but they're basically identity less. I don't know any of their names, which is not surprising, but there's a ton of them. We kind of got one of their backstories in the first issue, but since then, we've got like 10 of these guys on, on this book, and I don't know anything about any of them. So when one of the characters dies heroically in this issue, and he does die very heroically, and it was a very touching scene, but I don't know anything about him, so I didn't... After a while, I was like, well, that was well, what he did was great, but I don't feel all that sad because I don't know him. I don't even know right. his name. So, one thing they need to do in a hurry is give these people some characterizations and give me some information on who they are because uh, after a while, you just don't tend to care when you don't know anything about these people. Right. So, that's been my that was my revelation this week. And we are Robin after uh, waking up from passing out, seeing Alfred with a hook hand. <laughs> Did you, ever, like, did you ever think like you'd ever pirate. see that? No. <laughs> so, of course, it was revealed that Alfred is the man behind this Robin team, which was shocking to everybody who has not been reading the book. But right. uh, just, why the hook? At least in <laughs> Batman, he just doesn't have anything. 
<laughs> I can pretend he's got his hand up his sleeve. He needs some sort of mobility, some sort of, you know, he's got to be able to latch on to things. he got open doors. I think he was trying to, like, pick up a teacup with his hook or something in this issue. I can't <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's just insult to injury. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> oh. All right. So Prez number three came out. If you remember uh, last month, Prez number two was uh, Josh's pick of the week. And this is just a... We're going to talk about this, the current state of DC Comics a little later on in the episode, a little tease for you. I'm going to be really upset when this book eventually gets canceled. This book is really fun. I have to credit Paul because I didn't read issue one, and then he came on the show and he raved about it. So I read, went back and read one, and then I did. I actually didn't love issue one. I thought it was the weakest issue of the of all three. So yeah. I didn't love it. I didn't wasn't necessarily going to go read number two, but then Josh made his pick. So credit to Josh and to Paul for for helping me stand the book. Because three, I thought was amazing. Yep. And. Uh, I love the satire, but the scary thing is it's satire, but it's it's only a little bit tweaked. Like it, no, you can yeah. easily see things going this way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's very, it's very. I mean, it's 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 very much near future. You know, kind of. You know, it's it's far enough in the future that it's hard to you know connect with and hard to you know. It's not our world, but it's close enough in that you totally could see things going this way. Yeah. Um, and I thought this was really interesting. So th- this issue, so pre- so she has been. Um, so a teenager uh, who is a viral sensation, in case you're, yeah. you, haven't, you don't know what this book is, a teenager who is a viral sensation is elected president of the United States through a series of mishaps, uh, mishaps <laughs> which is upsetting to the people of the world, you know, the people of the power structure of the world. And, and this is in the future in which, you know, the divide between rich and poor is even greater. Yeah. You know what? And this is this is really really interesting because because this actually resonates because I've been thinking about this a lot because as you know Connor I'm not very political right yeah. I, I I I actually loathe politics I loathe talking about it I you know like it just yeah. I, I yeah problems but recently um, so there's a uh, there's another podcast I listen to called Roderick on the Line uh, which features uh, John Roderick who's a, a musician who's in the Long Winters and Harvey Danger and stuff like that along with uh, it's him and Merlin Mann just talking right. Recently, I've been forced to at least think about politics because John, in real life, John Roderick ran for city council in Seattle, mm-hmm. right? And what was interesting about that, the, the primaries just happened, and unfortunately, he lost, right? He didn't make it, and so it's done. And he would come on the podcast every week and kind of give an update as to what's going on. He was meeting with the Chamber of Commerce and the Elks Club and the, the unions and all this sort of stuff. And he was very quickly branded by the press as the rock star candidate, you know, right. and like and all that sort of stuff. And he did a lot of work to, you know, kind of push that away. But what he kept running up against, uh, you know, the way politics really works is that it doesn't matter who you and I vote for. It's who, you know, it's the union, the electric electrics union saying this is who we back and then that entire union votes for that person, right? right? And so in talking to the heads of those groups, he said more often than not, they said that um, they couldn't back him because unlike his opponents either, you know, on the left or the right, they could predict the way they're going to vote on right. issues. Right. And with him, nobody knew what he would do, so he was not, they couldn't, they couldn't take that risk. Right. Which I find fascinating, and that's kind of what you've got here. You've got it exactly, yeah. And it's, in fact, it's spelled out because you've got you're constantly seeing these meetings of these shadowy figures saying how they they can't control her, and so there's, yep. there's talk of assassination, and but there's also like especially with all the Amazon news in the last couple of weeks with that New York Times story, so you see Smiley Enterprises here, which is basically an Amazon. Yep. Although I, I was reading it, going at this point, wouldn't it all be robots? Right. 
<laughs> but uh, you know, not only I thought it was a great little speech from the CEO about how that what they really sell is time, and not a product. Yeah. But also just the way they treat the workers and every, everything is timed to the second, including how long you're in the bathroom and yep. and you know you're fired if you spend 12 seconds too long in the bathroom and I thought that was really pressing. Which is which is scarily accurate. Exactly. And yeah, then yeah. and then Harvey Welsh, a venture capitalist who wants to do a reality thing around the president and and take a take a uh, life insurance policy out on her so that. You know, if she lives through her four years, she'll get the money. But if she dies, he'll get the money. And yeah, like th- there's a lot of interesting societal observations here. But but the, well, the presidential stuff's dead on. And of course, Neil deGrasse Tyson makes it. Well, yeah, I was just, I was just gonna say. So in in this issue, she she's now been elected, and so she's putting together her cabinet, and then she goes to her inauguration, and the the man who's advising her says, you know. Most often, cabinet's positions are, you know, they're 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 ways to pay off favors, and and you know, people who shouldn't be in those positions are. But you ha- you don't owe anyone anything, and you have an opportunity to actually put together a cabinet with actual smart people, which is you know huge, you know, uh, commentary on today's political world. And so she turns to uh, there's a Neil deGrasse Tyson analog, this guy Franklin Holyfield, who is uh, who she turns to be her science cabinet member. And <clears throat> what I thought was funny is that. We recently read the new um, uh, Neil Stevenson book, Seven Eves, yep. and there was a Neil deGrasse Tyson-esque character in that book as well. And I feel as if they both – like I feel as if um, the external interpretation of Neil deGrasse Tyson is the same, is that he's just barely tolerating talking <laughs> to the masses, yeah. and you give him an opportunity to do something better, and he'll jump at it. Yeah. Right? Because in this, she, she doesn't even finish the sentence. She goes, will you be my science? And he goes, yep, I'm done with these dumb <laughs> – <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, there, there, I mean, it also feels like this is the part in time in a, in a future where bros have taken over. Like, yeah. all the entrenched politicians call each other bro, and yeah. like the guy who's the UN ambassador, and then the guy on the TV show who's who's trying to pass this uh, pork bill, literally about pigs. Yeah, and he, you know, it's it's all very bro culture. But as older men who are sort of running the world, it's it's a really really good book, and it's only going to be six issues, so we're halfway through. I know. I'm just. Um, I, it's just a crime. It's a shame. It was going to be twelve, but not six. Cry and shame. Anyway. So Prez number three. So Grayson eleven. When I was at Comic Con a couple months ago, I got word from somebody who would know that they might be moving Dick back into the mainstream of the DCU because he's been off for the last eleven issues, being a secret agent, thought to be you know dead secret agent, and uh, in this issue, basically the the ball has started rolling for that. He ends the story going back to Gotham because he's not been able to get Bruce on the radio. They've been talking secretly on the radio and he can't get anybody to, ra- to, ra- to answer his calls so he's like, screw this spy business I'm going back to Gotham. So that, that experiment may be over. Alright. So that was what, why I wanted to mention. It's, it, it's still a fun book. The characterization of Dick's spot on so if this is what's happening I look forward to these guys doing a more traditional uh, Dick Grayson story. Right. So in the um, in the ongoing uh, uh, oh boy t- tale of uh, Lando, uh, Star Wars Lando number three came out, and I, I gotta admit, uh, Alex Maleev is, is is this is really a delight to look at. In this issue, we've got uh, some Crimson Guards, some Imperial Crimson Guardsmen fighting. Uh, those that's such a great design that we can see, and Maleev just really is really you know delivering on the art for for this issue. I can see. 
my Lobot uh, complaints might be dealt with because uh, Lobot has been injured and now he's been placed in the Bacta tank. And if he doesn't heal quick enough, his computer mind will take over. And so I'm guessing that's what happens. And so right. maybe maybe it was all part of the story. Maybe you jumped the gun. Maybe I jumped the gun. Um, <laughs> but still, this has been intriguing. And, and the idea that, you know, so basically, you know, where it's at is that Lando and his crew have stolen the Emperor's personal ship. Right. <laughs> and I find that hysterical. Um, and so now the Emperor has sent a bounty hunter to go track him down, and they just discovered a Sith chamber in the ship, and they're trying to figure out what all this stuff means. And, and I, I, you know, I love the idea that most of the world didn't know that the Emperor was Sith. Mm. Right. You know, it's just it's just playing in this in that you know el, not else worlds, but you know tales of kind of world. This is pre Empire. Yeah, this is pre Empire. Yeah, exactly. And is this a limited series or? A series? Yeah, I believe it's a limited. Yeah. So do you think it's going to end with him in Bespin? Um, I think that I, I hope not. I think that because I see no way that for it to get there. Right. Yeah, and that would be a bit too easy if you ask me. Which uh, which which bounty hunters? It's in somebody new. It's it's not it's not any of the original bounty hunters. It's some guy and he he um what was his name? Shanath Cha. Should yeah. have been Dengar. I really think Dengar. Dengar has gotten a, a tough yeah. Dengar. I need a definitive Dengar story. Yeah, I know. Well, well, we got time. Um, my my. my Sources on the inside say that the, the the we can look forward to a uh, more of these you know kind of mini series self contained stories from Marvel Star Wars as opposed to like the ongoing Star Wars thing. Jeez, you think with the way these things yeah. are selling? I know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, almost at this point, Marvel could stop publishing superhero comics. I know, yeah. Jeez, exactly. So, Cyborg number two came out this week, and this is a tale of two books because I think there's a really interesting story being told here. But then there's another story that I just I just do not care about at all. Yeah. Uh, so this is written by David Walker and art by Ivan Reese, and um, so the story I don't care about at all involves some sort of alien technological race that's coming to Earth to invade. And when those scenes show up, like my eyes just sort of glaze over. I don't really, I don't really <laughs> care. Yeah. But the story on the ground. If you have a world in the DCU where you've got a character like Cyborg, you got to think that cybernetic technology is more prevalent in the world. So this this deals all with an underground cybernetic lab in which you know if you if you had your arm ripped off in an industrial accident, you can go and get a, get a cybernetic arm grafted on or or get your eye replaced or whatever. But it's all dangerous because it's you know it's like you know it's like going to that creepy dentist that's in the boarded up room. You know, the back room or the mob doctor, you know, it's like, it's not like you're in a uh, hospital uh, or something. Not good. That part is actually really interesting. Because I'm going to go, yeah, well, interesting. That probably would happen in a world where the technology is more advanced like this. There's, you know, this guy, we, we meet this guy who got his arm and leg, I'm sorry, his arm and eyeball replaced. And he uh, is going to have some problems. So that part is interesting. It's the cybernetic alien invasion that I don't really care about. But now at the end, of course, both stories met. So now I may be falling off this book quicker than I thought. But it looks good, and I like this cyborg uh, version. He's a bit more like the original uh, Teen Titans one, at least in his appearance. So that was uh, cyborg number two. And those are the books we wanted to talk about this week. You can go to ifanboy.com, and you can find the post for this show, and you can talk about these books or other books that you read. It was a light. It was a bit of a light week, I thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was de- it was definitely a light week. Jeez, my yeah. God. So uh, in the meantime, quick message about supporting ifanboy. If you go to ifanboy.com/support. That's where you can find a myriad of ways to help the uh, the show, help keep the show going, help us keep the lights on. First, there's the Amazon link. That's where you click on the link, and you can buy time <laughs> or products that come to you quickly. And uh, that's where any pr- purchase you make through Amazon, uh, we get a little piece of that purchase, not from your money, but from the money Amazon would make. And so we help thank everyone who does that every month. They, a lot of people do. 
And also, you can become an iFanboy member on that page. For 3 bucks a month or 30 bucks a year, you can become an iFanboy member directly, uh, support us that way. And uh, you can also just make a PayPal donation of any amount you want. We've said before, if you're a crazy billionaire, then perhaps uh, you might we are ava- We are available. We're available as a tax shelter. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I th- feel like that would be good for us. So if you are one of those people uh, who can help out uh, directly through a PayPal donation, you can do that at all at iFanboy.com slash support. Everybody does all those things. For all the last 500 episodes, we appreciate each and every one of you very much. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much for your ongoing support. Okay, so time to get uh, to your questions. Many of you email us on a weekly basis, and we thank you for that. And the first question comes from Vincent from Philadelphia, who says, I'm interested in the history of the medium and checking out the old classics. I've been digging a lot of the early Silver Age material, like The Flash, Joe Kubert's War Comics, Enemy Ace is fabulous. And, of course, absolutely everything Ditko, Steranko, and Kirby drew at Marvel. I never tried much Golden Age material. There, there are omnibuy of that era of Superman and Captain America with one, one down the line for Bat- Batman and I assume an unannounced Wonder Woman. How do you guys feel about those stories? Do they hold up writing and art-wise? Is it worth checking out? Are there any Golden Age highlights other than the ones I mentioned? Did you choose this email simply so you could talk about the Mets and the Phillies? No, I didn't even. Why would I talk about the Mets and the Phillies? Because they just swept the Phillies. Well, yeah. Well, it was it was a great it was it was a, it was, a, it was it's been a great couple of days. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that Golden Age books are difficult to, to predict. In They're terms a mixed of, bag. Well, like people that you know, some people can't get into that kind of storytelling. Like, and Josh can't read those those stories. He can't do it. And the reason why, and to and to warn you before you dive into the Golden Age, is that it's a very Different, simpler style of comic books. Yeah, you know, a lot of the stories they're not full twenty page or whatever they're like, like we're five used to. Pages yeah, or... they'd be like five or six pages. That sort of thing. Very simplistic. The art is very simple. But if you're interested in the medium, you're interested in the history. I absolutely say check them out to you know to know where we come from. You know, to know what what was born of all this. I think for me personally, the most interesting Golden Age stuff is all the Justice Society of America stuff hmm. because you know you had. You had Marvel or Timely doing Captain America and Human Torch and Namor and stuff like that. But over at DC, and not so much with Batman and Superman, but with Hawkman and The Flash and, and all those, you know, all those characters, you know, Adam and, and all that sort of stuff, they really created a little mini superhero universe before anybody even thought of the idea of a shared universe. Um, and I find that stuff fascinating. I can read that stuff till you know all the time. I personally love them. I have DC used to put out the um Chronicles trades, which was the yep. the in, the Batman, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman stories in order they were produced or printed, and I have probably, well, I have the only eleven volumes of Batman. They stopped doing those shockingly, right? But uh, I think they're great stories. I love reading the Golden Age stuff. It's it's somewhat similar to the Silver Age in storytelling style. I mean, it's very descriptive of what's happening on the panel because those were made for kids. Yeah, you know, the art's simpler. The art in this. Golden Age story is even simpler than the art and Silver Age story. Yeah, and you could tell they were churning these things out really quickly. I mean, if you're looking, if you're looking for craft and you're looking for amazing, you know, and talking Golden Age, go look at with a Spirit by Will Eisner. Yeah, I mean that that was probably the the most you know technically amazing comics made at the time, um, the most advanced and all that sort of stuff. Because Eisner, of course, is a master. Also, the Wonder Woman stuff. If you if you love you know S and M subtext, There's all kinds of subtext. In that <laughs> Woman stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but also Superman. If you want to see what DC is trying to been doing with Superman for, since the reboot, that's they've been at least in the beginning with Morrison. He was trying to do his take on that Golden Age stuff with a with an angrier, more 
yeah. popular Superman. That's that was all from the from the Siegel Schuster stuff in the Golden Age. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of the the medium and the history, you you got to see where these characters all came from. Yep, where it all happened, and in a lot of ways you won't recognize these characters. You won't recognize the Batman who brandishes a gun in the Golden Age because yep. they didn't really get into his character until Bill Finger came along and really created Batman. And you know, in the beginning, it's it's a different character. Yep. So. Totally. But it's all interesting. I love it. I love that stuff. And, really and you know, pick up the Captain America stuff if you want to see early Jack Kirby and if you like Nazi punching. Who doesn't? Who doesn't like a good, a, a good old round of Nazi punching? Other than Nazis. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I recommend it. Yeah, I recommend it too. And, and, and like I said, my, my main recommendation would be the spirit as well as the Justice Society of America stuff. That's, that's my one. And Wonder Woman. Michael from Tennessee writes and says, I'm sure most everyone who's exposed to social media has seen that DC Comics is having financial issues. I love the New 52 when it first started, but now the only books that seem to be catching my interest are Justice League, Justice League America, and Earth 2. In other books, we have Jim Gordon playing Robo Batman Cop and Hal Jordan flying around with a Nintendo Power Glove. Is that happening? I guess. I don't know. I'm not reading it. (laughs) What do you guys think has caused the company to have a loss? Is it from drastic changes in characters, writers, or something else? Thoughts? Also, we got a similar email from Andy B., uh, wanted yeah. us to talk about DC, and it's funny because because how the show works is the person with the pick produces the show. So yeah. when I saw these emails, I was like, "Oh, I don't want to talk about that stuff because it's all rumor <laughs> and speculation." And and then I so then Ron sends the script over, and I was like, "Oh, fuck." <laughs> so, well, I thought it, I mean, I, I mean, it's it's you know, and part of it, you know, in our new in the new iFanboy format that you guys devised while I was gone, you know, you you, you would talk time to time about what's going on in the industry, right? And this week has been nothing but this stuff about DC, and I think it's important to note. I mean, in Michael's email, he says, you know, everyone who's exposed to social media has seen that DC Comics is having financial issues. Well, I think we that's see that a, little, a rumor started. That they yeah, I think that's a little bit of an overblown statement based on rumor. You know, like like basically what he's reacting to are the reports that have, you know that were posted on websites that DC's looking at a two million dollar loss as compared to the budget that they projected for 2015. And what I think people are are uh, misunderstanding is that it costs a lot to move your company across the country. Yeah. And so a lot of the financial hit they're taking are the unforeseen costs with the move to Burbank, which is what happened. That combined with the fact that, honestly, the line isn't in very good shape right now. If yeah, you ask and me, this, you know? new re- this new launch of the DCU – yeah, you know, didn't let light the sales world, sales world on fire. So, so, so what what we've had is we've had a bit of a we've had a bit of a snowball effect in that you know reports that they reports that they're not hitting their numbers, then reports that the the June um, launch event hasn't gone you know convergence didn't go well, the June launch of, uh, event didn't go well. Marvel continues to kick their butt, um, and now we're seeing rumors that you know that the Dan DiDio style of comics is coming back. And that uh, uh, creators are being told to stop Batgirling their comics, which is a reference to the young, fresh, different approach of Batgirl and Black yeah. Canary and Prez and things like that. Right. And the thing is, is that honestly, from I'm not surprised by any of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I I need to preference everything by saying we don't. No one knows what their financials are. No one knows if this is true. A lot of people at DC are denying this. This is actually yeah true, but. To me, the interesting thing to talk about is not their, whether or not they're losing $2 million, and I couldn't care less if they are, but right, exactly. uh, is, is what is the health, creative health of the line. And as we've been talking a lot, the creative health of the lines is not good. Yeah. It's not good. And I don't know if they were trying to ape Marvel's replacing all their main characters with other people or not, With but it's just, like, I, I, I said this on the show a couple weeks ago, I just want to read a Batman story 
I yep. just want to read a Superman story. I just want to read. We said it before. I just want to read Green Lantern Space Cop. I don't want. I don't need to read whatever they're doing with Hal Jordan. And I, I honestly haven't read Hal Jordan book, books in years. Yeah. But I just don't feel the emotional attachment to these characters I used to because I don't know who they are. I don't know what history I'm supposed to know or not know. I don't know. I can't rely on what I've just read out of the New Fifty Two because apparently I also need to know some of the things from the previous world, and I don't know what has happened and what hasn't happened. And the books that I have liked a lot, the ones that don't worry about that stuff, like Batgirl, or, or and actually the books we all just mentioned that aren't doing well sales wise. Batgirl's yeah. doing okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, and this is a myriad effect because what you've got is you've got people, you know, you've got people like us who want new things and new ideas and new takes and 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 good art and good story and all this sort of stuff, and then you've got, you know, an entrenched group of retailers who and readers are, and readers too, yeah, who who want things the way they used to be. Mm-hmm. And you know, and and given something like you know Black Canary, which looks a little challenging and reads a little di- and is different than anything you've ever heard of, a lot of people go, oh, I don't, I don't know what to make of that, so I'm not going to support it. Right. And um, and this is and that that's the biggest challenge in the comics industry is that again we talked about this when I was talking about my you know coming out of working at Image is that you know what we want as consumers isn't as important to publishers as what retailers will buy. Um, you know, and so, you know, and again, it just goes to, if you're in, if you're enjoying that corner of DC that is taking risks and doing different things, tell your retailer and make sure you're pre-ordering them. That's the only way to ensure they'll continue, you know, whether or not, you know, the DDOing of comics and stop Batgirling and all this. So this is, that's just all, you know, that, that, that's conjecture and rumor and, and, you know, and, 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 you know, and who knows, you know, like, I, I don't, I don't know what to make of all that. I do know that, you know, if you look at the charts, DC has been, DC's been taking a beating in the book market because their perennial hits are starting to soften. And they used to they used to dominate. They used to dominate because everybody would look to Watchmen or they would look to Sandman or whatever. Night, yeah. yeah, and and they're kind of seeing um, uh, uh, maturation of those sales. Uh, they're kind of you know everyone you know it, it's safe, it's it might be safe to say that everybody who's going to read Watchmen has gotten a copy of it and read it. You know, and so like what is the next Watchmen? What is the next thing? You know, and if the Preacher TV show is a success and that that boosts the Preacher book sales the way The Walking Dead has helped The Walking Dead book sales, great for them. That will get them back. But anything they've done since 2011 i mean think about any of the stuff since the new 52 connor have you felt you needed to have that in collected format edition mm, i mean maybe one or two but not that many and that there really hasn't been a like classic and it's hard to say why you've generated a classic because that books are classic for a reason but there hasn't been a lot i mean i own all the batman trades and i think batgirl was a must-have to get the people but like yeah. Other than that, there's not very many. And the, the thing about DC was they all, it didn't matter they were slightly behind Marvel in issue sales because they would dominate the book sales. And so they made the, they made a lot of revenue that way as opposed to Marvel, which traditionally did really bad book sales-wise. Yeah. But now, it's I mean, they're taking a beating everywhere. And there was another article from another website that was full of you know anonymous sources talking about the book sales t- this week and saying, you know, Watchmen used to sell 9,000 copies a month. Yeah, for twenty plus years, and now it's sold nine thousand copies in, in up till now in this year. So yeah. that you know that's a huge, huge drop off in sales. And was it because of the movie? Was it because of before Watchmen? Was it because everybody's read Watchmen? Was it who knows why? But whatever's happening, DC is in trouble, and they don't have the Vertigo back catalog anymore because they basically abandoned Vertigo. Right, and all those books are happening at Image, and and they don't have so that they don't have that little coin because Vertigo books used to sell really well in trade also. Yeah, and so they don't have that anymore, and what, what were they fifteen points behind Marvel in the last sales chart? Yep. I mean, it's yeah, just, 
it's it can't be good, and I just don't know why. Why there isn't thought of regime change? Because not that I want anyone to lose their job, but like clearly, what's been going on hasn't been working. Right. Yep. And to keep everyone in charge, making the same decisions seems like if you don't really care if the things change or not. And, and the thing is, is that it also reminds me of like with the with the new fifty two when the new fifty two launched, we got a whole bunch of new books and new takes on things, and a bunch of new creators, and the leash on those were like three issues. Yeah. You know, and I feel like the reaction we're hearing now is similar to that with the new Fifty Two, where the backgirling of books or whatever, like, okay, well, we tried that and it's not working. You know, and it's and and so there's a. It seems as if there's a sense of urgency at DC to be equaling or beating Marvel in sales, but the lack of patience to allow the creators to develop, to build momentum, and to and to build you know really good things. And it's a tough balancing act. It's a totally totally hard balancing act. And they're on the they're on the eve of what they think will be a boom thanks to the movies. Um, but I don't. But I. Yeah, but I think that's a big if. I think you know they felt that way with the last you know Superman movie, and that was a flop. Why they're not capitalizing on the TV success is beyond me. Right. You know, I mean, that, right now the best thing that, that DC Entertainment has going for them is the Flash and Arrow. Those are the be- I mean, like those are the best things of DC. And why they're not bringing those viewers over to the comics, I just beyond me. Right. I don't know. They're in a rough spot. They're in a really rough spot. Yeah. It's it's complicated and it's 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 never easy. So, uh, but I also think it's important just to reiterate that no one really knows what's going on. Right. Exactly. And and don't believe everything you read on websites. And a lot of times people say things strategically or because they've got access to grinds or anything like that. So also you know, the sales numbers aren't the sales numbers. Exactly. Exactly. The numbers you read aren't estimates and guesses. Yeah. And so no one knows other than the publishers and the creators what their book's actually selling. No one knows what the digital sales are. No one really knows, you know, any, anything. It is just another example of how screwed up this industry is. <laughs> it's so screwed up. But I, I don't welcome a return to that sort of editorially driven, tightly controlled DC universe with yeah. the with the house art style that everyone looks like they're from 1994. I don't, I don't want that either. So I don't know what, what's going to happen. Yeah. I can't imagine I'm going to be happy either way. Yeah. Oh, jeez. So. Thanks, Andy, Michael, and Vincent for writing us in. They wrote us at contact at ifanboy.com. You can also call our voicemail line at 888-FANBOY-326-2697 and tell us who you are, where you're from, keep it around 30 seconds. That's how you get onto our show and give us great topics to discuss. We always yeah. really enjoy the uh, email segments. So, as we mentioned on the top of the episode, this is episode 500, but it's not a big anniversary show because we are all uh, traveling to New York. So, episode 501, which is next week, will be our live all-email episode, which will broadcast live and uh, we don't have exact times for you, but we will be broadcasting Thursday night. And if you've uh, been with us before, you know that means we'll be broadcasting on Google Hangout through our website and through our YouTube page. You'll be able to find the post for that on our website. You'll also just go to youtube.com slash ifanboy. You'll be able to see that as well. And uh, that'll be happening Thursday night, which means Thursday at noon Pacific time is your deadline for emails for the show. So if you want to get your email into the live all email show, Send us an email to contact at ifanboy.com by Thursday, Pacific Time, noon, and put 501 into the subject line. That's how we know you want your, your email on the show, and that's your deadline. Anything after that will not make it. Uh, sorry. So that's how uh, you can get on the show, and that's how you can watch the show. More details, obviously not before next week, but you can check the website, check our social media. We'll have information there and, and uh, when you can come and join in on the live show. I don't know how long we'll go. In the past, we've gone two or three hours, so we'll see. It's a, it's a, it's a big one. We're mentally prepared for a marathon sesh. Yeah. If we had tried to do that this week, yeah. oh, I'm no. fairly certain I would have died. 
Yeah, no, we made made the right call. But let's take a moment to yeah. Connor. Congratulations, five hundred episodes. Not too bad. Well, I, yeah, I don't want to get too deep into it because I'm sure we'll do it next week. But you know, if you think back yeah. to when we started and and how excited we were, where we got to ten episodes. Yeah, five hundred is a is a lot of weeks. It's a, it's a it's, it's a milestone. So so pat yourself on the back, Connor. We c- couldn't have done it without you. So. <laughs> It'll you know, good job week. for you too, Ron. You may have left for yeah. a couple of years. Yeah, but hey, so. I, I still I logged my time. So, congratulations to you, to yes. Josh. We'll, we'll get into all this next week when we talk about. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get all modeling. It'll be fine. Excellent. Uh, in the meantime, head over to fanboy.com. You can comment on this show. You can talk about this week's books. Talk about the issues we brought up in the emails. Anything you want over at fanboy.com. And that's how you'll find all of our podcasts, including our special edition shows, which I should talk about films and TV shows related to comics. And Ron, you mentioned before wanted to do one on the TV shows. Yeah, maybe we should do that. Yeah, no, actually, I, no, I do want to do that when when the when the first episodes are all kind of out, and uh, I think we, we got some good guests lined up for that too, as well, too. So cool. it should be fun. All yeah. right, you can l- wait for those shows. But in the meantime, follow us at Facebook.com/ifanboy and at ifanboy on Twitter, and that's where you'll find out a what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. But also, if you want to find out more about this week's live show, that's where you'll find that. And, and the website, and you can follow us individually at CS Kilpatrick, at RonXO, and at JA Flanagan if you want to follow Josh. I don't know why you would. Well, I don't know why. It's just nothing but complaints. Uh, no, I kid. <laughs> we love them. Um, if you like the show, if you like what you've heard, uh, do us a favor and, and help spread the word. Um, I did not mean for that to rhyme. Uh, if you go to <laughs> iTunes, you can write a review. Uh, we appreciate everybody who's left a, a five star or four star or three star or two star or one. We appreciate all the reviews. We love you all. And uh, or go to your comic book store and tell you tell the guys who work at your comic book store or tell your friends who read comics. Hey, I listen to this great podcast. You should too. So that's it for this week's show. That's five hundred episodes in the books. Thank you for listening week in and week out. We truly appreciate it as we approach our ten year anniversary of the podcast. Uh, we cannot thank you enough. So until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. And uh, we're going to be drinking next week, right, Connor? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we got it, right? Yeah, probably. All right, so we'll see you next week. These little town blues Are melting away I'm going to make a brand up to you, New York.